As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Welcome back to Prospects to Pros on the Athletic Podcast Network. I'm Dane Brugler. I'm joined, as always, by Lance Zerline. Lance, we're two weeks away from the draft. Uh, are you ready for it to be here? Are you wishing you had more time? Where are you at right now? No, I am. Um, I'm going to shut down my my write ups at about 475. There you go. So I should finish today. I should be done with that. And I'm just not finding the same amount of players out of nowhere yeah. off of uh, the pro day circuits. I think I I tell you what I did. I went through and I'm like, golly, I don't cuz usually I'm doing a pretty good job of getting the players off the pro days that I haven't written up because certain guys that they have elite traits, you need to go check them out and things mm-hmm. like that and and so if there's anyone drafted, I have to have a draft profile. So if I don't have one, I have to go write one after the draft. And um this year because there were not there was not an East West Shrine game. Right. Um a lot of times, you know, at this point I can go pick out guys off the list I haven't written. And a lot of times they're not very good players, but they just populate the 500. I mean, you know, 500, that's like twice as many as are drafted. So obviously there's a lot of guys in there that are not going to be very good players and have no NFL chances, but they make the list. But then this year, you know, you have some guys playing spring football who will be potentially um, in the NFL uh, draft, even though they there's a good chance they won't be drafted, because if they would be, I'd know about them by now. Right. Um, my re- last write up is going to be a kid named Caleb Johnson out of HBU. Yeah. Here in Houston, he's a tackle machine. He tested well. Linebacker. Yeah, he was able to, I guess, go to a pro day testing despite the fact that he had, um, you know, he had a season that he was in the midst of, right. which I find to be pretty impressive. He uh, had a 35 inch, 38 inch vertical leap. A six eight nine, uh, three cone. You know he's only six what six two and a half two twenty six. A little bit light, but the production, the size, the traits. Um, my last write up of the year. I always try to have some. I always try to put some, you know have some type of uh, have a reason for it. And this is a local kid, hometown kid, and someone who is playing in the spring. And um, so I want to just you know, make him my last ride up number. So that's great. I'm good now, Dane. I'm ready to, I'm ready to move on and get the draft stuff going. Well, and that's, yeah. And that was the toughest part for me was the guys playing in the spring season, you know, who was actually going to be in this class, who was, you know, 
Like we know that Illinois State tackle uh, is going to be, but you know, there's a lot of guys we just weren't sure about. So let's jump right into this. We have plenty to cover. Every year about this time, I do a seven round mock. I try to, I really try to focus on trends, uh, team needs, make it as realistic as possible. Like put myself, okay, you know, John Robinson, this is what he would do if he's drafting for the Titans. It's not an ideal scenario for every single team. That's just, that's not realistic. That's not how it actually works out on draft weekend. Just try to make it as realistic um, as I could. So uh, you can find the, uh, uh, the the mock on The Athletic right now. But to help us uh, break it down and get different aspects of the mock draft, we have a friend of the pod, Fran Duffy, on with us today. Fran does a great job producing really quality content for uh, Philadelphia Eagles. Really sharp eye for scouting. So this should be fun, uh, a really fun conversation. Fran, thanks for joining us. Dane, Lance, well, I appreciate you guys having me on. I'm excited to uh, talk through this seven-round mock. I, I know that after the beast goes out in the, this part of the year, the first thing that you have to make your transition to before <laughs> you uh, reintroduce yourself to your family is this seven-round mock. So I know it's been uh, a labor of love for the last week or so. That's it, because you know, if, <laughs> it, there's only the only point in doing it is if you're going to try and do it right. And I know you know you've done seven-round mocks in the past. You you understand just how how challenging it can be, and really. At a certain point, I'm just like, okay, I have to hurry up and finish this before a trade happens. Yeah, right, and exactly. It, you know, the 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 49ers uh, make another move or something. So let's the way we're going to cover this mock is I have a set of questions here for each of you, and I think it should spark some really fun conversations. So again, you want the full mock? Head over to the Athletic. But we're going to start with a topic here at the top of the draft. I want to know who you think is the, your favorite fit in the top half of round one. So picks one through 16. And I say favorite, that's, you know, an open-ended word, Uh, you know, could be just your favorite fit in terms of uh, what makes the most sense, what you'd like to see, you know, kind of take it where you will. So Fran, let's, let's start with you. Favorite fit in the top half of round one. Yeah, well, there are a bunch of different options that I really kind of pondered here. And I think just kind of looking around, and some of these we've come to expect, you know, Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson, Mac Jones, number three. I'm going to settle in with number four with Trey Lance, North Dakota State, going to the Atlanta Falcons. And here's why I think this makes sense. Number one, uh, obviously, look, they have to figure out what's going to happen here with Matt Ryan for 2022 and 2023. They they uh, extended his contract, restructured the, restructured the contract this offseason to help them out from a salary cap standpoint for 2021. How long did that really lock them in for? Are they going to be okay with having dead money if they moved on from him next offseason? That's something that they've got to figure out, and that will have a big impact on whether or not they select a quarterback here this spring. But I feel like Trey Lance just connects a lot of dots for them. He checks a lot of boxes. I think when you look at how he fits with Arthur Smith, certainly makes sense. There are a lot of people out there. I wouldn't say that I'm one of them, but there are people that believe that Trey Lance needs to sit for a year. Well, this is a good opportunity for him to sit behind Matt Ryan. And so that's a good situation from that standpoint. But then also remember where Terry Fontenot, the, the general manager, comes from. He comes from the New Orleans Saints, where they have not been afraid in the past to take big swings on guys from smaller schools and lower levels of competition. They, you know, all the guys that have come from that New Orleans regime over the course of the last you know decade or so, Ryan Pace being one of them, uh, has talked about, yeah, we've had a lot of success in my history of taking guys from lower levels and being able to hit and getting good value for them. And I wonder uh, if Trey Lance, if they view that as one of those big swings from a lower level who could come in and make a huge impact for them. So that's just one for me. That just makes a lot of sense. And we'll just we'll see if they decide to go quarterback or if they go with the tight end, Kyle Pitts. But Trey Lance to Atlanta makes sense. 
That's a great uh, observation with uh, Terry Fontenot, where he comes from. Because remember, the the Saints, they were ready to pounce on Pat Mahomes uh, in the 2018 draft when they already had a quarterback, obviously, in Drew Brees. And they were ready to take a quarterback to sit and learn. And obviously, that didn't work out because uh, the Chiefs were able to trade in front of the Saints uh, to get Mahomes. But how how perfect that would have worked out uh, for New Orleans. So with a first-year general manager, first-year head coach, there's some unknown there. But I agree. Uh, you know, I, to get your quarterback there at number four makes makes a lot of sense. I would understand if they don't do it. I, I get it. But yeah, the chance to get the quarterback there, uh, I, I really like it. So uh, Lance, what about for you? Favorite fit in the top half of round one? Uh, well, that's easy for me. It's Jalen Waddle um, with your selection of Jalen Waddle. Oh, you're talking about for your mock, right? Yes, yes. Yeah, yeah, it's Jalen Waddle, 13. I did this in one of my mocks, and I just really remember being very excited about this potential um, of the fit and the player and you know the team. When you look at what – so you have a quarterback who obviously had a great year last season, and there's no question about that. But there are some things missing – still for that team. You can see the team getting much better here in the future. I could absolutely uh, see them as a team on the come up. But I think right now, the thing that gets me the most excited is having a different type of player to throw into that wide receiving core. You have a guy out of the backfield in um, in in Austin Eckler you can use. You obviously have a big guy who can stretch the field a little bit and do some different things in Mike Williams. The all-around wide receiver who can get you the possession targets in Keenan Allen. Well, now, if you throw into the mix the wild card that really stresses the defense, a guy who can take the slant and go and turn it into a great big play, catch-and-run specialist, he can be a third-level worker from the slot. You can even line him up outside if you wanted to just to put additional – uh, strain on safeties and and really open it up potentially for Keenan Allen uh, or Mike Williams from the slot. I just think this gives it gives a new dimension, the game breaking deep ball dimension, and a three level potential worker to an offense that is going to make a young quarterback even more valuable, even more confident, and. I recognize that you still need to fix the offensive line. That doesn't go away. But this happens to be a deep draft when it comes to finding draftable tackles that can start fairly quickly for you. So for me, Jalen Waddell to an already you know, upscaled offense and a chance to make it even more dangerous in a, in a division where you need offense, obviously, that was my favorite fit. I really like his potential with the Chargers. Yeah, that makes sense. And I, I think I went into this thinking, okay, probably tackle or corner for the Chargers at 13, but with Jalen Waddle just sitting there. And, you know, I I, I get it. Like, you know, uh, Jalen Guyton has, has been a fine, you know, sure. third receiver. It's it's more of a luxury pick here, but just imagining what Waddle could mean for that offense. It, an already explosive offense. You just drop him in there and it, it'd be a ton of fun. And, we, you know, we saw last year, the Raiders do that, try to, you know, they, they wanted to, you know, you look at the, looking up at the Chiefs in that division. Okay, let's add Henry Ruggs. Chargers, it's a similar type of thinking here. Like we're looking up at the Chiefs in this division. Let's, uh, let's add Jalen Waddle to this mix and have some fun. Good luck trying to cover these guys. So I, I, yeah, I agree. I, I think that that makes a ton of sense. I think for me, uh, in terms of my favorite fit, um, you know, there's, there's, Plenty to choose from here. I, I think the Rashawn Slater at eight to Carolina, I, I like a lot. I think there's a good chance 
Slater, if he were the pick, he's you're looking at him as maybe your starting left tackle from uh, from day one. I mean, he could step onto that onto that team and be the the best option. So he, you know, whatever Carolina ends up doing, um, you know, they need to help protect Sam Darnold and kind of learn from the mistakes that the the Jets made in terms of. Uh, not giving Darnold the proper protection and help around him. And so adding a tackle at number eight would would make a lot of sense for them. So, all right, let's go to the second part of the first round. Uh, Fran, your favorite fit in the back half, pick 17 to 32. Which one of those uh, fits, which one of those pairings did you like the best? Sure. So to me, and this is kind of like a, this will be a resounding theme with me because Dane, you know, I'm really big into trying to track the decision-making process and the thought process behind team building across the NFL. So looking at the decision-makers and their history and who are the players uh, that they might be more attracted to. And I loved the the pairing of Jeremiah Owusu-Koromoa from Notre Dame going at 19 to the Washington football team. And I think when you look at two of the three key uh, decision makers there in Washington. You look at Ron Rivera, you look at Marty Herney, who spent so much time together in Carolina, who's a player that they selected a handful of years ago. Shaq Thompson was one of those hybrid linebacker safety prospects when he came out and he was able to find a home at linebacker. And then a player that they worked with for a long time. Uh, Herney, I believe, was in the building. I don't believe Ron Rivera was there when they selected Thomas Davis out of Georgia, but a similar kind of player in that he, he came in early on. He was a safety, then made the move to linebacker. They had success with both guys. I kind of wonder if they view Owusu Koromoa as a similar type of player and they need that second-level presence on defense. We know about that defensive front. Uh, they've continued to put resources into the secondary as well this offseason. Now you can kind of just drop this guy right into the second level as a hybrid player. Uh, I feel like Owusu Koromoa makes a lot of sense. If they don't go left tackle there, if they say, hey, this class is deep enough, we can wait, uh, I do think that Owusu Koromoa really makes a lot of sense for the Washington football team. Yeah, that, that's a great point. And I think if Christian Derrissaw is there, maybe they go tackle. Um, I had him coming off the board two picks earlier to uh, the Las Vegas Raiders. But yeah, I, I agree with that as well. Lance, what about you? What, what fit in the back half of round one really stood out to you? Well, I want to first of all, I want to echo what Fran said, because if he hadn't said Owusu Karamoa, I would have. But the other one I really like is Christian Barmore uh, to the Tennessee Titans. I'm on record as saying I think Barmore is being wildly underrated by people. Um, I think he's really talented as a run defender and a pass rusher. I recognize that his motor can run a little hot and cold, sometimes depending upon the competition. But when he has big games, when it's big situations, he typically steps up. When you look at what Tennessee is doing, Tennessee's model is a bit. So when we talk about this being a great fit, Tennessee's model is we're going to run the ball and play defense. Problem is they their defense is not as good as it needs to be. It hasn't been. And, of course, we know part of the problem is on the back end. But when you look at the moves that they made in free agency, which and Norris Jenkins, but maybe more importantly what they've done with Autry Denico um, and Bud Dupree, some people would say we've already added – a Titan fan might say we've added – Autry Denico from Indianapolis. We have added uh, Bud Dupree. We don't need another defensive lineman. I go the other way with this. I say, well, actually, I like Dalen Mack as a nose, but I like Christian Barmore better. And so what I would do is say Jeffrey Simmons, Denico, and Barmore as your front, as your front three with guys like Landry, Evans, Jayon Brown, and Bud Dupree. All of a sudden, we've got a really 
talented and potentially high upside front seven, which is going to create and generate pressure. If you look at the players that we're talking about here and the free agents that they brought in, these are pressure players. And so when they bring that pressure, it's going to make the secondary that much more effective because they don't have to cover for as long. And if you want to win, continue to win, which I think you should, with occasional passing, pound the ball, pound the rock with your with your hardcore running game, let you know, let uh, um, your quarterback, uh, Ryan Tannehill, be a game manager. Really operate around AJ Brown as your primary receiver. Yes, they have they have lost some weapons with their wide receiver core, no doubt. Um, but however, I would also tell you that being able to fortify a defense and really lean heavily on your defense, helping to keep scores lower will really make things easier on Tannehill and that offense as well. So I kind of like Barmore. I think that's an under the radar selection of saying, let's strengthen a potential strength and become one of the best front sevens in football, which I do think is possible within the the first couple of years. Cause I'm also a huge Jeffrey Simmons fan. Yeah, no. And that's exactly because I've received a little bit of pushback from a few Titans fans who who don't love it. They're locked into a pass rusher there, right, maybe a I corner. But for the, for the reasons you laid out is exactly why I did that. I mean, and you th- it's a very John Robinson pick. When you think about, he loves defensive line. He loves SEC defenders. Uh, I just, you know, you can pair him with, uh, you know, uh, Jeffrey Simmons. And he can, the thing with Barmore is he played defensive end in that Saban scheme. So uh, you know he can play inside, can play outside uh, with uh, with what the Titans do. Even front, odd front, exactly, it exactly. Even though they did bring in uh, you know uh, Danico Autry, you can still uh, mix him in, and uh, you know you're going to have uh, a really powerful front on the on the defensive side of the ball. So I, I agree with you. It's it's maybe not what Titan a lot of Titans fans want to see there, but in terms of trying to make this realistic, I think there's a possibility. That could be the pick. Um, you know, my favorite pick here in the back half. I I really like Greg Newsom to the Browns. Um, you know, I think that makes a lot of sense with as they try to fill out their defense. We we, we feel pretty good. This is going to be a defensive pick at twenty six. But uh, you know, with uh, it could be pass rusher. I, I don't think it'll be linebacker. So you go to corner, and if Newsom's still on the board, I, I think he checks a lot of boxes for what they're looking for. Uh, he's a young player. He tested off the charts. Uh, the biggest thing you worry about him really is just, you know, missed three games each of the last three years. But, uh, if you're comfortable with the durability, then I think Greg Newsom to the Browns at 26 makes a ton of sense. And then it, also I wanted to mention Elijah Moore, uh, 25 to the Jaguars. Urban Meyer can't help himself. He wants speed, you know, and you look at the Jags depth chart, wide receiver doesn't really jump out as necessarily a need uh, you know, LaVisca Chenault, uh, they've got big plans for him and, uh, you know, DJ Chark and, you know, they've got plenty of firepower, but adding a guy like Elijah Moore and that 4-3 speed into that offense with, you know, Trevor Lawrence at quarterback, I just think would be a lot of fun. So, you know, Elijah Moore, I don't know that he's going to be mocked much at, at 25, but I think when you factor in Urban Meyer and his desire for speed, you know, looking for maybe that Percy Harvin type of player on his offense, I, I think Elijah Moore makes sense there. I, Fran, am I, am I off here? What do you think about that pick? No, I mean, it was one of the first things Urban Meyer said when he got hired was that we were, we're going to be the fastest team in the NFL. So him acquiring any speed whatsoever at any position, uh, I'm not going to argue with that decision at all. 
Okay, so keep, keeping with the first round here, I want to yeah. know who you guys thought was the most surprising. And this can be, you know, maybe you disagree with it or you just, you were surprised by it. You, you could like it, and but you just didn't uh, maybe foresee it. So, uh, Fran, in the first round, which which pick really surprised you? For me, and it's kind of in the latter of what you were talking about, I, I, this is a guy that I'm really intrigued by, uh, but I think is obviously one of the more polarizing players in this class, and that's Jason Owe, the pass rusher from Penn State. Uh, zero sacks this year, has all the traits you could look for uh, for coming off the edge. He goes number 30 to the Buffalo Bills. And I, I wanted to kind of pose this question to you guys real quick. What have you guys heard? Because you guys are much more plugged in than I am. What is the ceiling in terms of how high he could get drafted uh, when we get to late April? Yeah, I think tough. what I've heard is tw- I just heard is there any way he goes in a second? I'm checking with teams. I'm trying to get my you know my draft slotting finished. Yeah, and I've been told by two people no, the traits are too good. He's going in a first, so right. put him in a first. So I've got a first. I don't have a one two. I've got a one. I do think though it is going to be somewhere between. And this is a random number. Well, let me look at the team so I can get a good one. I would think that somewhere between 21, just because I know Ballard loves traits and rush, I would say 21 to – I mean 21 to 32. Yeah, Yeah. 21 to 32. But I I think he's going in the first – you know, for me, I would say it's 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 the other guy, be Joe Tryon from Washington. That's another traits based guy. He didn't play this year. I don't think his tape is as consistent in terms of just activity is Jason Oway because Jason Oway is also he's actually very good at creating uh, disruptive tackles behind the line of scrimmage and you know disruption with the run game because he's tough to get sealed when you know if you don't get a good strong seal on him he's just too good an athlete he can break free and cause some issues so um I you know I've heard the love for Joe Tryon I don't see it on tape but I also am a I, I really subscribe to the traits you know and and, and understanding that those things can really uh, have a big impact on teams and this guy looks unbelievable physically he's a physical specimen yeah you see the flashes yeah but he yeah he is an action figure but i don't see him as a first and the guy next to him is a guy that you want to you want to like him in the first alex leatherwood but i just don't see him as a a first rounder even though kansas city is potentially desperate at tackle but i would say joe tryon would be the guy in the the first round that i would i would yeah, it, shy away I think from you look personally. At- but uh, you have to remember this, too. I think this is a good conversation for us as well. And I was reminded by, by an NFL team, and you're going to say the same thing, Dane. These guys at the back end of the first, a lot of times they're going to be, and look at what Dane's done. Caleb Farley, back injury, um, but a lot of talent. Jason Owe, high side traits and upside, but but a little, you know, not as much production. Alex Leatherwood, great traits, still want to see him more consistent. Joe Tryon, phenomenal traits. These are five-year players now, and the ability to get a player for a fifth year, especially a player with a lot of upside and traits, that's where you want to get them. You want that additional year. That's why you might take a guy in the first round that you might have a second-round grade on because you say, we have a chance to bring him along. Long, um, a little bit slower with a five-year deal as opposed to a four-year deal. 
Yep, Dane, that, can I say real quick too yeah. about about Jason Oway to Buffalo? What what I do love about that when you look at Brandon Bean's past, a lot of the players that they have selected on day one, day two. You look at Ed Oliver, uh, you know Zach Moss, Devin Singletary, Harrison Phillips. Those guys were all extremely productive players, but they've also taken guys on the other side of the coin as well. We all talked about you know Dawson Knox never scoring a touchdown in his career. He mm-hmm. was a day two pick. Uh, you know Cody Ford only what was he? He started like twenty games in his college career at offense along the offensive line. Josh Allen was not known as a very productive passer so they've been willing to go that route in terms of the guys that haven't put up big numbers then also remember too uh the owners there for the buffalo bills the pagulas very involved with uh penn state athletics there's buildings named after them uh, on campus there so they certainly have connections uh to that campus as well mm. good, that's good great information yeah, yeah. That, that, that is that is really good information i knew we brought you on for a reason <laughs> thank god Fran i gotta bring, I gotta bring something, something. <laughs> i gotta bring something to the table guys all right well hey let's move on to the second round here uh i want to know your favorite pick in the second round so 33 through 64 which pick really stood out to you as maybe being uh, your favorite of that round uh so Fran, if- let's start with you yeah, so for me, I would say you look at Liam Eikenberg at 54 to the Colts. Uh, I think yeah. that that makes a lot of sense. Um, you know, it's a player that, honestly, if they took him at 21, uh, maybe you say, oh, you know, does he have all the traits? I wouldn't blink an eye at it because I say, okay, this guy's a rock solid player that you know uh, is going to be a pro. And I think when you look at Eichenberg, he profiles as that kind of a player. So him going at 54, they're able to take the pass rusher, Jalen Phillips, in the first round uh, for Chris Ballard. Uh, and I do think that that pick makes sense as well. But Eichenberg at 54, I think it speaks to the depth of, at tackle in this class. And I'm, I'm interested to see how that unfolds here uh, when we get to late April. Are all of these guys, are we going to see a long run along the offensive line in the middle of round one? Or will we see these guys fall around too? I think that's one of the big stories I'll be watching for certain uh, as we get from round one into round two. Yeah, it's a great point. We could easily see, uh, I, mean, I don't know, I had what, one, two, three, four, four, five tackles going. If we include Alex Leatherwood, five tackles going in the first. We could easily be six. It could be seven. I mean, you know, Sam Cosme could sneak in there. Or, you know, yeah, Eichenberg's a little bit of a wild card uh, doesn't have the length necessarily that you look for, but how much is that really going to drop him? Is every gonna, everybody going to look at him as a tackle, or is he now a guard on some board? So Eichenberg's a little tough to figure out, but if, yeah, if he's there at 54, uh, you know that that might be too good to pass up there for the Colts, who we know uh, will be on the lookout for offensive line here. Uh, Lance, what about you? Second round, your, your favorite fit there. Uh, yeah, it feels... Maybe it's like too easy, but Javante Williams with Miami, you've got him at number 36. Uh, That's the Houston Texans second round pick that was traded with uh, Laramie Tunsil. And from what I understand, um, hearing from somebody who was who was uh, involved with that, that was literally a throw in for And when they did the Tunsil deal. They said, oh, and what about for, uh, you know, um, what about for Kenny Stills? And Miami was literally in heat check mode, said a second. And the Texans go, okay, great. Here you go. Here's our second. Oh, Unbelievable. Unbelievable. But anyway, now uh, it turns poor into Houston fans. Yeah, now it turns into a running back with phenomenal football character. Um, I talked to a running a longtime running back coach who said that he and Michael Carter, both from North Carolina, were his two favorite interviews on Zoom, said he's all about football. You won't find him all over social media just showing his drip. And it's it's really about 
the game to him. He's got a great football character. He's got great work ethic. The tape is really, really good. He can create for himself with his, you know, vision. He has a little bit of wiggle and, and, a, and a lot of violence, so he can be violent or elusive, depending on what you're looking for, which is a fantastic trait for an NFL running back because it requires different types of mindsets at different times. Um, he keeps runs on track. He, he does have that single-minded purpose of getting downhill and I think what he does, why I like it from a tra- from a, a, um, a standpoint of fit, is it really takes pressure off the quarterback. And I'm a big believer in taking pressure off of young quarterbacks. And right now, you know, when you look at the model that helped to make to help to make to a, a successful quarterback, he had a very good offensive line, very good receivers, and a, and, and a good running game. Although Najee Harris this year is much better than he was the previous year, but. What you've already done here is Kyle Pitts. So now we've got another weapon uh, and a big weapon at that for Tua. Now we're going to add a running back and a guy who can go get his own yards when it's not always blocked up. And so now we're looking at a much easier task for Tua on a regular game-by-game basis to get the ball where it needs to go and to let the running game do its job. So I think Javante Williams in this spot, to me, there's not a lot of difference between Etienne, Williams, and Najee Harris. It just, you know, there's slight differences between them. Those are clearly the big three with every running back coach and evaluator I've talked to. Nobody has another guy in the mix with those guys, and I like him there. I like Williams to Miami. Um, I like any of these three running backs to Miami, but especially at number 36 as opposed to doing it at number 18. I agree, and yeah, it gives Miami, because they have options with uh, four picks in the first two rounds. They can kind of be selective about when they want to attack that running back position. We do expect them to go running back at, at some point in the first two rounds, uh, and yeah, at 36, that seems like the, the a good spot for Williams. For me, my favorite fit in the second round, I think I'm going to go with Quinn Miners at 55 to the Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, I I was told that if you're not going to put Landon Dickerson at 24 to the Steelers, make sure you put Miners at at 55. We know that the Steelers are looking for a center and Landon Dickerson, who got good feedback on his medicals, which is a huge hurdle for him, uh, very easily could go in the top 25 picks, would not be surprised at all. Uh, so, but if the Steelers do not go in that direction in the first, Quinn Miners in the second, play personality, it's a fit. Uh, you know, a guy that can step in from day one. He can play center. He can play guard. Uh, there's so much to like about uh, Miners uh, in general, but especially talking about that Pittsburgh offense. I mean, Lance. Uh, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. I mean, it, that that fit makes sense, right? Uh, it fits perfect. I mean, he fits the the culture, the mindset, the demeanor. The offense, the need, if it's everything. I mean, 55, he's not going in a third. He's going off the board in a second. The question I would have uh, that I that I would have is, is there any chance he could go before them? But when sure. you really go through that, it might be a little rich. I think we're going to see our our run on defensive backs is going to happen um, in, in the second round is kind of what I expect to happen and some leftover wide receivers. And it's kind of what you have happening as well. And a couple quarterbacks. Um, I was told to put Kellamon in the second round, which surprised me a little bit. I thought mm-hmm. he was really more three, but I think Davis Mills, uh, Kellen Mond and potentially, frankly, the quarterback, uh, Kyle Trask, I think they could all be second rounders as well. But looking at Quinn Miners, I mean, if you don't take him at 55, many teams after you will take him. 
based on uh, Baltimore would 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 certainly be in the mix. I would assume. Um, like the Rams at, at fifty-seven, possibly. Yeah, Rams at fifty-seven. Who's at Buffalo? The center in Buffalo. I'm trying to remember who they have. But uh, yeah, a lot of these teams. Kansas City Chiefs at sixty-three. I mean, you know, um, any yeah, any one of those teams could take him. So Miners is going in the second, I would say, and I think this is a great fit. I frankly, I missed him, or this would have been the fit I would have used. Because that, well, that's a fantastic fit. Right, okay, I, I agree. Uh, and I actually, I, I thought you were going to say that one, uh, just uh, knowing you and how much you I love I literally minors. missed it, yeah. <laughs> uh, well, and I think the record for the highest D3 player drafted ever is 51, I believe. So Miners has a good chance to uh, to break that. He doesn't in this mock, but if he goes in the top 50, I, I don't think it would surprise anybody. Uh yeah, and I did have two quarterbacks going off the board in the second round with Davis Mills and Kellen Mond. Um, so I, I'm hearing the same things you are, uh, uh, Lance. Uh, I don't, I don't know that I necessarily feel great about taking Mond that early, but good chance he's going to go. But let's go to the third round now. Same kind of t- type of question. I want to know your favorite fit in, in the third round, pick 65 through 105. Uh, Fran, start with you. Yep. So I'll, uh, I'm going to go, I'll stay in the interior offensive line. I'm going to go over to pick 102 to the San Francisco 49ers. You've got Stanford center, Drew Dahlman sliding in there. It's too easy, right? No question. I mean, it just fits like a glove. Uh, He's not a vertical displacement player. He's not a power player at the point of attack. That's just going to drive people backwards. But if you need your center to play with range, and if you need that lateral mobility that, I mean, he, you can weaponize a Drew Dahlman on in an offense. And I feel like, uh, whether you're Kyle Shanahan, Sean McVay, you know, that, style of offense um, where you're you're working east west so often I think he's got that ability uh, to step in and be a factor now uh, of course they went out and acquired Alex Mack uh, this offseason and I think that that certainly makes a lot of sense for them Uh, but getting Dahlman in round three certainly gives them an option for uh, 2022 and beyond Uh, I think Dahlman makes a ton of sense there Uh, one of my favorite interior offensive linemen to watch uh, in this class well and especially when you consider his dad uh, you know who Chris Dahlman same type of uh, 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 path here. Uh, they both went to the same high school. They both went to Stanford. And Chris was drafted by the 49ers in the sixth round in the 93 draft. So if his son uh, could take that same route to the next level, I mean, just a fantastic story. But it's also realistic when you think about the scheme. Uh, Kyle Shanahan, I, I think, you know, is going to love a player like this. And to get him... At what is it, 102? You know, even though you do have Alex Mack as your starter for 2021, getting a guy like this who could be the long term answer, I, I think, yeah, it makes a ton of sense. And remind me again, where did John Lynch uh, go to school? Uh, yeah, I, I think he Stanford, did go to yeah. Stanford. Yeah, and <laughs> he I think did, he, yes. uh, there, there's a strong he's big connection on the Stanford there. Guys. Yes, right. he's, big, he's big on the Stanford guys. So I think that one makes a lot of sense. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. 
And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Lance, what about you? Favorite fit in the third round? Uh, I've got I've got a couple. I'm going to mention one just as my I've got one for you, but uh, that's more in the back end that I really like a lot. I think Stone Forsythe to yep. Pittsburgh is a really interesting one because he reminds me so much of Max Starks. Exactly when Max was coming out, although he's a better. Thing. I think he's a better athlete. So I I do want to mention that, and I do think he's going to go in the third round. But I think. For me, I love Tommy Tremble, but hold on. I had just lost my place here. Um, here he is. I think Nico Collins. Um, now, God, there's so many I like. I like Robert Rochelle with Tennessee, Nico mm-hmm. with Kansas City. Here it is. Jamar Johnson, Indiana. So, Minnesota, I think on the back end, they've got Xavier Woods but and Harrison Smith, but they really do need a ball hawk. I mean, they need somebody who can be an eraser on the back end. They've got to get a little better. They've got the young secondary, and they're trying to revamp. Jeff Gladney got in trouble with the police. We'll see what happens there. you got Cam Dantzler, who took a step up last year, and I thought, who stepped up? They're waiting for Mike Hughes to become the player. They've added Patrick Peterson. You know, you can get a lot better this year with your back end, with your secondary, if you can kind of solidify, I think, the safety position with somebody who can go make plays and Jamar Jamar Johnson on tape just is really instinctive, really athletic. He ran okay, but I think this is a good spot for him and I think it's a really good fit. I think there's several good fits that you have here in the third round that I'm excited about, but this is one to me that specifically makes good fit in a in a division where you know you have to beat the Packers. You know you got to beat Packers, you know they're going to throw it around, you got to be able to take the ball away, and I think Jamar Johnson, who is very specifically a free safety who can also play down on the slot, which I think has a lot of value, I think that's why I really like this at number 90 to the Minnesota Vikings. Yeah, that, that's a really good one. Um I, I I like Milton Williams to the Bengals. Uh, you know they 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 lose Geno Atkins. Um, you know they need that interior uh, presence, uh, and I think maybe Milton Williams uh, could be that guy for them. Um, you know, Walker Little to Denver maybe be the the right tackle of the future uh, for for the Broncos. I like that one as well. Uh, Deo Odengbo uh, going to uh, Franz Eagles there at eighty four. You know, he, we don't know exactly when he's going to be ready to go, you know, at some point uh, early in the season, uh, coming off the Achilles injury. But in the third round, yeah, I, I mean, take a, take a, a guy with a, a little bit of an injury, uh, but, you know, the long-term payoff is something that, you know, you can get excited about. So that seems like a very Eagles uh, type of pick. Um, 
few other ones in here that I, uh, Trey Sermon to the Saints uh, at 105, uh, add him to the backfield with Kamara. I, I think that would uh, make some sense, be a lot of fun. So yeah, plenty of uh, interesting options here in the third round. Now I want to know from you guys on day two, so rounds two and three here, was there, who was the most surprising pick? You know, who, who really stood out as, uh, you know, you were surprised to see that name. Maybe you don't love the fit or uh, you're just surprised to see it. So uh, Fran, who, who surprised you on day two? Honestly, there weren't a lot of picks where I was like, oh man, I just, that, that one really shocks me. But I, I just wanted, there's one guy I want to bring to the table and just, I want to throw this back at you guys. Where do you see Walker Little going in the draft? You have him 71, early yeah. third round to the Denver Broncos. Uh, do you feel like this is the area where he definitely goes off the board? Is there a chance he's earlier? Obviously, one of the bigger wild cards in this draft. We've seen him play one game in two collective seasons uh, in 2019 and 2020. But uh, all the traits in the world, and in that one game against Northwestern uh, two Septembers ago, he looked awesome. So I'm really interested to see ultimately where he goes. He's a, a fascinating case study here as we get closer to this draft. And I, I think I could have given him to the Broncos at forty, and it would yeah. you, know, you wouldn't bat an eye. You know, it's and that that makes it tough. I mean, Lance, I don't know where are you, uh, not necessarily your grade, but where do yeah. you think realistically Walker Little? I mean, I think we we think it's probably going to be top seventy five somewhere. We just uh, not sure where. I don't know where, where. Where do you think? Second round. Okay. I, I don't have him. I don't think he should go in the second. I wouldn't take him in the second. Um, but I was told. No, he's going second. And yeah. it makes sense. I mean, his workout was really great. We don't have a lot of, you know, hand you know, hand to hand work with him where you're able to put hands on him as an offensive line coach and check his core strength and uh, do the push pull stuff on him. And you know, coaches really love getting hands on players and, and working them physically to check some different elements of their game. And Walker has avoided much of that. I, not necessarily intentionally, maybe intentionally. I don't know, but he's a great athlete. He's a great. Well, he had a great, a great workout. Um, he seems to be in really, really good shape. You're just working off of 18 tape and one game in 19, and not even the full game. So, uh, but he's a tackle with traits. He's going in the second round, and yeah. I just think I, I, I personally would think two three which is where you have him in the two three territory right but i think when it's all said and done and i've been told this that he should go inside you know definitely inside the first 60 picks i don't know that he gets past kansas city at 63 mm. um just because it's a need you know uh, offensive line is a big need for them multiple offensive line spots so yeah i i think he's gonna go there i was i was a little surprised to see and not from a talent from a talent standpoint i think this guy's really talented but uh you got to help me with the pronunciation, but Dayo Adeyingbo. Odingbo, yeah. Yeah, from Vanderbilt Coming with off the, the torn, Achilles. Yeah, torn Achilles, and he's not going to be ready right away. Right. Um, I, my guess is that probably slides him into four. So I was a little surprised that you put him in the top three just because, now from a talent standpoint, oh, no question. I just figured that you might not be willing to have him in the first. 100 picks due to the fact that he's he's got the Achilles tear. Well, and that's why I like the fit with Philly there because I think the Eagles, it's not that they're not competing this year. Of course they are. But I, with multiple third-round picks, um, I, I think they might look at one of those and say, yeah, let, let's let, let's take a chance on a guy that short-term might not help us as much, but long-term, this is great value. Because I think without the injury – I think Deo goes somewhere in the second round. So we're probably talking about a, a one round discount on, on a player like that. So 
as long as the Achilles, there's nothing, you know, no long-term ramifications. Um, You know, the medical staff says, yeah, he should be, uh, you know, good to go mid-season. You know, I think a team like Philly that has multiple uh, third-round picks there might be willing to uh, take a chance like that. It's going to be interesting. He's definitely more of a wild card once you get to uh, that that third-round range. If he gets to the fourth round, yeah, I, I think there are plenty of teams will be looking to jump all over him. Let's let's go yes. to the fourth round. Let's go to day three. We're not going to go, you know, team by team here or round by round here, but I just want to know day three overall, what, what value did you love? You know, the player, the fit, uh, what was your favorite value rounds four through seven, Fran? So I'm going to go late here. I'm going to go all the way to round seven, pick 237, Denver Broncos taking Pit, uh, Pittsburgh safety, Damar Hamlin. And mm. the reason why I say that, look, uh, there are questions about Damar Hamlin's speed. He ran just under 4'6 four, four, at the pro day. And even on film, uh, you could see that the speed can be a concern. Uh, but this is a guy who came into uh, came into college as a big-time corner prospect. And he was used in that cyber. I talked with Pat Narduzzi uh, back in January leading up to the Senior Bowl. And we talked about Tamar Hamlin, and, and he talked all about uh, the off-field traits and the, and the football character and things like that, which everybody raves about. But I think when you look at Hamlin, the big thing that he pointed out, and he's 100% right on this, is that he played the hardest position in that defense. They play a lot of quarters coverage, and he would play to the field. And that meant that he played to the wide side of the field, often getting matched up one-on-one against slot receivers, but from depth. So he's got receivers who you know are 4-3, 4-4 type athletes screaming at him with a head of steam, and he's got to figure out uh, how to be able to account for that. And that, you know that, especially considering some of the athletic limitations he's got, he's a tough kid. He's competitive. Uh, he's got good instincts. I just think when you and then when you look at that, that scheme out in Denver under Vic Fangio, they play a ton of quarters as well, so uh, a little bit of an easier fit there. I, I just think that in round seven, that one just screams really good fit and likely outperforms that draft slot, especially considering uh, the ease from scheme from Pat Narduzzi to Vic Fangio. No, that's a great point, uh, Lance. What about you? Uh, value on day three that really stood out. I mean, this is this is the stuff I love. Um, yeah, this is this is the day for yeah. for the scouts, you know. For, yeah, I mean, I love. I'm looking at all these and like love Buddy Johnson at KC, yeah. love Snowden at Baltimore. Uh, I'm doing it around. I think Khalil Herbert for the Giants would be a fantastic value in the sixth round. The guy that I'm going to lock in on, and I think Patrick Johnson from Tulane going to the uh, Niners in the seventh round is a really good one too. Uh, but I think. For me, it'd be Austin Watkins, wide receiver from UAB. It wouldn't shock me if Watkins went in a fourth, to be honest with you. Um, he's big. He was a t- pretty decent tester. He's got a lot of talent. He is very physical. I think Watkins goes before this, but you look at Seattle. If Seattle could add another big body wide receiver to go with DK Metcalf, and that's what Austin Watkins is, um, I really like that. I think Watkins in the, in the seventh round to Seattle would be one of the best values on the board now I can I can find you some other guys that I like but in terms of guys that I project to go earlier than that which would really make it more of a value you know to me since I've looked at these guys I would say my my favorite value value would be Austin Watkins uh wide receiver from UAB and if you haven't seen him you really need to watch him he is a he is a highly competitive player reminds me a little bit of um Oh, I went to Buffalo uh, from UCF last year. Uh, oh, uh, Gabe Davis. Gabe Davis. Gabe Davis. Yeah, yeah, Gabriel Davis. 
Gabriel Davis, he has his part of his game at times reminds me of Gabriel Davis away. He's able to fight for the ball down the field. So I would say Avery Williams. But two guys, I I want to mention this because we're all draft geeks, and so we get into this kind of stuff. And I know people who listen to this are also draft nerds, and I proudly say that it's not a slam. But Racy McMath and Avery Williams are two awesome special teams players in this draft, and you got them in the seventh round. So I just want to shout out the special teams guys because this is a round where guys can get drafted and end up having 10-year careers and go on to the Pro Bowl for five or six years. They can come out of this round. And I remember when Russell Gage was coming out from LSU. Right. I liked his tape, and I loved his special team stuff. And I'm like, dude, he's actually a pretty talented He's actually a pretty talented player. He's a more talented wide receiver, for example, than Racy McMath. McMath is a freak show. Height, weight, speed. Avery Williams is probably going to get switched, I think, from corner to either running back or wide receiver. He was right. a really good running back in high school. So that's another guy I want you to keep your eye on because he's a kick blocker, a touchdown maker as a return guy, and he might end up having some value on the offensive side of the of the ball, which is where he, you know, he, he didn't play that at, at uh, Boise State. Agree. Yeah, I've heard the same thing about some teams liking him uh, best at running back. And it's a great point about the special teams because uh, you look at that seventh round. There's a long snapper in there. Uh, you look at Jalen Camp from Georgia Tech. I've got him coming off the board at 239. He's intriguing now. Yeah. He's really intriguing. And and really because of the special teams. Because even, you know, we'll, ha- we'll see if he's able to carve out a role on offense. But you feel really good about what How about he's going to. your gonna- guy ahead of Jalen Camp? The guy you have going before him. Yeah, exactly. Kenny Nwangu, uh, who is a burner. Uh, was stuck in the in the shadows of David Montgomery uh, and, then, and now Brees Hall as, as a backup running back, but a big-time kick returner, legit 4-3 speed. So, yeah, this is in a 6th, 7th round. That's where you take chances on those guys who have traits, who have special team skills. Uh, you know, it, it's, a, it's a really intriguing range there uh, for those guys. Uh, for me, some of the, the my favorite values, um, you know, I, I kind of like. You look at Tennessee; uh, they they have a need at tight end, um, and for in the fourth round at pick one twenty six for Hunter Long to be there, I, I think that fits perfectly with what they're. If they don't go tight end earlier, uh, which they might, uh, you know, whether uh, you know a, a Tommy Trumbull or you know Fryermuth, you know, we'll see what tight end maybe they have their eye on. But if they don't go tight end earlier than that, if they are able to get Hunter Long in the fourth round, uh, love that fit. Makes a ton of sense. Uh, love Robert Hainsey to the Jets at 107. Uh, I think he's probably I don't know, some teams like him best at center. Um, he, he's played right tackle uh, at Notre Dame. Uh, I think he you know moving inside to guard, but some teams even like him best at center. And then uh, you know Shai Smith uh, going to Carolina. Uh, you know with no more Curtis Samuel there. Uh, you know, you, you don't know, you know, with the quarterback positions up in the air a little bit, Sam Darnold, you're hoping you get, uh, you get quality starts out of him, but he needs a little bit more help. And we went offensive line earlier in the first round. Let's get him that, that slot, uh, target, a guy that's dependable, a guy that can work the middle of the field, uh, who's fearless, Shai Smith, and who is also coached by the Panthers coaching staff and Matt Rule at the senior bowl. So they, they have some knowledge of the type of player that he is, type of person that he is. And I think that, you know, that uh, the familiarity from the senior bowl is something that could really, we, we see quite a bit on day three. And that was a common theme. I had Carolina 
uh, you know, DJ Daniel in the, in the fifth, uh, that's someone that they coach at the senior bowl, Jamie Newman, someone that coached in the senior bowl, getting the hands-on work with those guys is something that we don't have a lot this year with, you know, the pro days, the limited access, the, uh, you know, area scouts not being on campus, uh, throughout the fall and limited interaction during pro days, no facility visits. And that's also why I had, uh, you know, the Jaguars, going pretty heavy on some Ohio State players because there's a familiarity there yep. with Urban Meyer. Uh, yep. Pete, Pete Werner, first pick in the fourth round. Sean Wade, first pick in the fifth round. Uh, Jonathan Cooper, who Urban Meyer, uh, you know, he was, uh, Jonathan Cooper was the top recruit in that recruiting Wait, class for Urban Sean's Meyer. not going on the first, Wade? Uh, yeah, <laughs> well, with, uh, with, uh, with Urban We finally got rid knows? of all the Sean Wade in the first round stuff. It took a long time. But uh, I think you're right. I think he goes in the fifth. But did you, did you? Isn't it crazy how long it took for people to finally get off of Sean Wade in the first? That was, it was people were married to that for a long time. I was. Oh yeah. I mean, I, at at some point during you know mid season November, October, November, it was pretty clear. Okay, this guy's he's trending in the other direction. Um, and but yeah, the, the people stayed attached to it, and he's still an enigma in terms of where he's going to go because I, I'm sure there's still believers out there on him. Um, but I, I think that first pick in the fifth round is probably more of the realistic range of, of where he's going to end up. Um, all right, guys, well, let's, let's put a bow on this. Um, one thing that I, I try to do with uh, the seven round mock is I, I do a team by team results at the end of the article. So it's easy to digest. Okay. What did, what, what, what were the returns here for each team? And you can really see what, uh, each team ended up with. So want to know which team in your opinion had the best draft class? Who, who did you come away with saying, okay, they absolutely killed it with their return. This is going to be, you know, a, a, a draft class that they look back on and say, okay, this was, you know, part of the foundation uh, of a winning team. Uh, Fran, which draft class stood out to you? I think anytime you do this exercise, it's always going to trend more towards the pick, the teams that have multiple picks in the in the first couple of rounds, and uh, that's going to be the case for me here. I'm going to go with the low hanging fruit. I'm going to look at the New York Jets, and I think when you go, uh, you know, Zach Wilson and Aziz Ojolari in the first round, Asante Samuel Jr., uh, Brady Christensen, the tackle from BYU who could play a number of positions, Kenny Gainwell from Memphis, Robert Hainsey, the right tackle from Notre Dame, who uh, a lot of people feel will be a really good interior player in the NFL, whether that's at guard or center, James Wiggins, the free safety from Cincinnati, Ben Mason, uh, the stone cold killer uh, at fullback slash tight end uh, for the Wolverines. The only beef I've got with this Dane is that it go, it definitely goes against what Joe Douglas has done uh, in the past. And that this, that list of players is littered with underclassmen. And if you go back through Joe Douglas's career, uh, wherever he's been, it's always kind of been senior laden classes. Even going back to last year, you know, their first pick uh, was an underclassman, but eight of their nine selections were seniors. And that has always, even going back to Baltimore, uh, when he worked with Ozzie Newsom, uh, going to Chicago, then to Philadelphia, then now to New York, uh, you know, he's definitely, at least it seems to be, trending more towards uh, a lot of the seniors and upperclassmen. But uh, you can't argue with this list of players. I mean, a, a lot of talent there uh, in that hall. That's a fair observation. And I just figured Brady Christensen's 36 years old. So that kind of made up for it uh, across the, across the board. So, uh, no, Brady Christensen's, uh, he'll be a 25 year old rookie. He, he's still a good player. Uh, and I think at 66, that, that's a, a pretty good value for him. Uh, what about you, Lance? Which, uh, draft class really stood out to you? Uh, for me, it's, it's probably the Steelers. I'm just trying to go over all these. I'm looking at the, you know, 
I really like Carolina too with Slater and Richie Grant and Trimble and Shai Smith and then Larry Roundtree in the sixth, who I think will be an NFL running back. Um, one, I want to shout out one team that you have here because if the Seattle Seahawks got Melifonwu, Jalen Moore, and Austin Watkins, those are yeah. three starters. To me, Watkins will be an eventual starter. Jalen Moore will be an eventual starter, probably at guard, but maybe at tackle. And then I think Melifonwu is one of the, the lesser talked about corners who should be talked about a great deal with only three draft picks if you came away with this that's a great pick um but the pittsburgh steelers you have Najee harris quinn minor stone forsyth trey brown a little early for me chris rumpf love him i'm on i'm on the record there that's true um really love marquez stevenson as uh as a speed option. He didn't run as fast as expected, but I think he's got some potential, especially as a seventh round pick. I think I'd have to go with the Steelers because I see in your first five picks, I see some, and by the way, they're all high football care. Like Trey Brown is a dog. I just, you know, I question how you play him inside, outside, but I got to say Steelers with what you have. You address a pass protection with Forsyth, run blocking with minors and the running game with Najee Harris. Um, in your first three picks, and then you've got a developmental pass rusher off the edge with Rumpf. I really, I really like the Steelers. No, that's that's a great pick. Uh, and you know, the Steelers are, we know what type of players they go after, so it's a little easier when you're doing a mock for them to really zero in on, on some of these guys. Um, I, 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 I really liked, obviously, you know, Fran, like what, what you were saying, the guy, the teams at the top with the most picks and most early picks, like you know, the Jaguars have five picks in the first. Uh, 65 picks. So, you know, easy to like the players they're getting back there. Uh, the Dolphins, same type of thing. If the Dolphins come away with Kyle Pitts, Micah Parsons, Javante Williams, Carlos Basham, Amon Ross St. Brown, uh, the first five picks, you got to be feeling pretty good uh, if you're a Dolphins fan. And I like what they did on, on day three in this scenario with Robert Jones at guard, uh, Ian Book, who they coach at the Senior Bowl. Uh, as a seventh round uh, quarterback, and then Taquan Graham, uh, the defensive lineman out of Texas. Um, I, I'm gonna, but I'm gonna point out the Eagles here. I, I, I like what they did with uh, J.C. Horn in the first, Creed Humphrey in the second. I, there's a good chance Creed Humphrey's off the board in the first round. Uh, if not, I don't think I don't know that he gets past the Eagles in round two. Uh, two third round picks, Amari Rogers and, and Deo Dengbo from Vanderbilt. I really like uh, Brendan Hymas, the tackle out of Nebraska uh, in the fourth round uh, as a swing guy who can give you quality starts. Uh, the fifth round, Tony Fields, West Virginia linebacker. And it, it's, we know the Eagles don't like to draft linebackers very high, but if they're able to get a guy like Tony Fields in the fifth round, who I think is really instinctive, love the play range. Uh, just He's a little undersized, not the best take on player, but in the fifth round, uh, yeah, I mean, give me Tony Fields and you know we'll figure it out. Uh, then even going down to the seventh round with uh, Sam Ellinger, who, you know, who does he compare to very similar? I mean, Jalen Hurts. And so they're all in on Jalen Hurts this season. Sam Ellinger as kind of the backup in that scheme. Uh, you know, I know they have Joe Flacco, which is, uh, you know, stark contrast to Jalen Hurts, but Ellinger as your third stringer. And then uh, uh, Zach Davidson with the final pick, who, you know, the Eagles, they need some help at uh, both. Uh, they need tight end depth and punter depth. So let's add the, the tight end punter out of Central Missouri. So uh, I, I like the haul that the Eagles uh, came away with in this scenario. So this is awesome. This, is, this went exactly how I hoped it would. A lot of fun conversations. Fran, really enjoyed your insight on these players. Everyone, make sure you're following Fran at Eagles XOSXOs. 
uh, on Twitter. It doesn't matter if you're an Eagles fan or not. You're going to be a smarter football fan just by consuming Fran's content. As always, please subscribe, rate, comment. Uh, you can follow Lance at Lance Zerline. I'm at DP Brugler. Go check out the draft guide. You won't be disappointed. Uh, make sure you're keeping up with all of Lance's profiles at NFL.com. That'll do it for today. We'll talk to you next week.